Welcome back to episode five of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Charles Hamaker. I know I'm a little late on this episode. This is going to be pushing two days late from our normally scheduled Wednesday. I apologize for that. Had some things going on. Got it all going on. Second episode with a new mic here. Thank you again, Uncle Steve. Um, today we're just going to be recapping that Niners game that we all witnessed, hopefully, uh, last Sunday. Uh, taking a look at what's going on and the sort of end of regular season stuff and looking forward to the Sunday wildcard matchup against the Eagles. Before I continue into my recap of the game, I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone that supports this. I know my first couple episodes got upwards of 40 listeners each, and then the past two have only been 13 or so, and uh, I don't know if I call him a friend anymore of mine, made a joke that I should go and make another podcast, and uh, I didn't, I took that as a, a slight of sort, I just think it's I don't know. If you don't want to support me, then, you know, don't slide up on my links when I share the episode or anything. If you're going to support me, go ahead. You know, if you want to share it, if you want to be a consistent listener, give me feedback. You know, I need constructive criticism. I hear to. This is something I love to do. I love talking sports. Um, my friend Bennett Buckholtz, who he, he also has a sports, uh, a talk show, I believe. Uh, shout out Bennett. I don't even know if he listens to these he'll just go and put the stuff on his story. And I appreciate that because I don't know, sometimes I want to do that, but I don't know if people will appeal to that stuff. I'm a big sports nut. I don't care if there's a basketball game on, there's a baseball game on, a football game on, you know, I'll even soccer. I'll watch this shit. I just like doing this stuff. This is what I, you know, some people like cars, some people like YouTube, shit like that. This is just, I'm just a big sports guy. That's, you know, Football's in my blood. So if you want to support me, please continue to do that. We'll keep rocking. If you don't want to support, don't be a fake fuck. Get the fuck out. That's sorry for the language, but, you know, I want to get that out there. Language. Looking at the week 17 NFC West title game against the Niners, the first half was just riddled with offensive inconsistency. The first four possessions of our first half, Ended with three punts and one loss of downs right before half, which is just sloppy. It can't happen. It's it's almost typical of what the Seahawks do nowadays. I mean, if you look at throughout the season, starting off slow is just even past this season and seasons past. Seahawks start off slow and it's almost characteristic, which is a bad thing. Early down aggressiveness can help knock a team out of the game. Anyways. The next three possessions would be touchdowns, though. It would have ended with four had not been perhaps the many errors that happened in that last minute of the game. From the delay of game, which ultimately, I believe, killed the entirety of the momentum going in with John Ursua out of Hawaii, uh, a guy that will get more playing time going into the future here, which I will highlight later. Um having a big catch on the one-yard line, the delay of game obviously pushing you back, uh, a, tuple, a couple of incompletions, and then the pass 
right on the goal line to Jacob Hollister, as well as the um, very, very obviously missed pass interference call. You can debate it all you want. It was it should have been a call. The guy can't just hug him like that straight up and not look back at the ball. Should have been called. The league's explanation was pretty stupid as to why they didn't even stop the game for it. Officials are ruining this game. We've seen it throughout tons of games in the past, perhaps more evident in the past two seasons with the Saints and the Rams in the NFC title game last year, as well as the Saints and the Rams again in their regular season matchup this year. It's just something that needs to be improved upon. Last minute, like I said, was horribly mismanaged. The offense needs to be able to play complementary football. Like I said last week against the Cardinals, the offense stalling and not being able to put up points, put up drives longer than a minute or two hurts the defense. If you come out there again and again and again, you have to keep bailing the offense out. You're going to get tired eventually and something breaks. So you've got to be able to play complementary football. You know, Seattle goes into this game without its best tight end, without three of its running backs, its best offensive lineman in Dwayne Brown, its best safety in Quandry Diggs, down three receivers. It's almost a miracle that they were in a position of this game, but they really they put themselves in a position to win the game in the second half, and they choked it. That's all that goes into it. Coach Carroll after the game said that the difference between the offensive success in the second half compared to the first half against the Niners was that coach offensive coordinator Schottenheimer went after the tempo in the second half and it picked everything up, including patch protection, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, not that why they did it in the second half is why they don't do it more often. You know that you're a team that does not have a good offensive line. Russell's playing with the 31st ranked passing pass blocking efficient o-line in the league that's terrible for having an all-world quarterback secondly if you know that you i don't know if they're just ignorant to the fact that they have a shitty o-line or what but when you're playing with a bad o-line and you're playing teams like the niners like the vikings uh, like the eagles earlier and then again next week you should be able to have this quick tempo tire that d-line out tire the pass rush out get them on their heels. I mean, it's just kind of simple football. If you have a, you're have you playing against a good rush or your line's not playing well, you have a high tempo, get the ball out quicker, get stuff going, you know, then you'll be able to stop that rush effectively. But that's just my two cents. You talk too much. Taking a look forward or rather taking an overview, overview, pardon, my horrible English right there. Taking an overview of the 2019 season. We're going to wrap up with the Seahawks. Kind of a bad note. Had three games this season where they had no forced turnovers, all of them being at home. Those three games were against Baltimore, Arizona, and Santa Clara. All of those obviously losses, but those were games that you easily could have won had you had a guy like Quandre digs in. Uh, that's obviously a guy that makes an impact, but it shows that this team, you know, in these close games, the turnover margin is a big factor. And despite the fact that the Seahawks were top five in turnover differential, 
in those games, it really didn't matter. Considering the Baltimore game, you had the pick six by Marcus Peters. Santa Clara game, it was just a really close game, so turnover could have helped that. And the Arizona game was just a mess, but turnover could have helped start the spark. Looking over injuries here, Ethan Pochich, a guy who had been a backup lineman who had played around the line at different guard positions, was thought to have been a reinforcement for the playoffs, is actually going back on IR with a core muscle injury. Uh, the Seahawks promoted guard slash center Kyle Fuller to the active roster. Michael Kendricks tore his ACL in the loss to the Niners on Sunday. So he'll be out. And with his impending uh, expiring contract, as well as the sentencing hearing, uh, whenever that's supposed to be, if he continues to be able to play football, barring uh, his recovery from that ACL, as well as the hearing. Uh, things aren't looking too great unless he... So signing with the Seahawks would probably be a good option for him, and the Seahawks have made it clear that they would like to have him back. I wouldn't mind having him back either just because he's an athletic linebacker, and you know having three linebackers that you can put on the field at any time is always a good sign. Going into the game against the Eagles this Sunday, there's a good chance that Quandra Diggs gets back. He practiced here on Thursday, so that's good to see. He's a full participant. Luke Wilson was also a full participant, so that's good. Considering that you were pretty low on tight ends, having Tyrone Swoops be your second tight end, he was a converted quarterback coming out of Texas, and he's kind of the last-string guy that we've had on this roster for tight ends. Oop, pardon me. Dwayne Brown's a long shot to go on Sunday. Uh, he's He was a non-participant in practice. John Brown also did not participate. He'll probably be a couple weeks out, so that would be NFC Conference Championship game if he were to make it, if we get there. Malik Turner is also dealing with a concussion, and he did not participate in practice on Thursday, so that's a likely sign that he will not be playing on Sunday. Uh, Jadavian Clowney also did not practice on Thursday, but all signs have been from him that he will be going on Sunday. So wonder what that's about. Chris Carson will not need surgery on his hip injury, so he's hopeful for a training camp return on that. What else do I got here? In terms of looking at all these injuries, it's it, a point was made and brought up that the Seahawks um, strength and conditioning coach, I believe it's Ivan Lewis, is a guy that came with Pete Carroll from USC. It's just he's done a bad job, really. I mean, it's pretty evident if you've seen the injuries over the past couple of years. This is just, a, I believe, and like I've discussed with several other people, this is just a case of the uh, Pete Carroll being too loyal to his guns. I mean. In some cases, this is maybe okay, but obviously you see here that throughout the year, guys have been struggling with injuries, and when you look at teams that win the Super Bowl, they're healthy. Well, they're the healthiest among the other teams, you know, to a point. So that's obviously an issue. If you look at losing Justin Britt, Will Disley, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, CJ Procise, all the season-ending injuries, it's kind of an issue. I say kind of, but it's pretty obviously an issue. Another roster news. Pete Carroll recently said that Delano Hill has been playing over Marquise Blair solely because of his experience with the team. 
Considering that Delano Hill has repeatedly taken bad angles and put himself out of position when he's been playing, this is this is a little disappointing. This is a little bit of the uh, Mike Holmgren play the veterans over the rookies type of thing. I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, Delano Hill in the past, he was a he was a younger guy, so I gave him a chance. But I did the same thing with Tedrick Thompson, and Tedrick Thompson is now as hey, he's now on IR with an quote unquote injury. Um, and it's just, it's annoying considering that we've got, we've got better people on the, f- on the team, I believe, and Marquise Blair and Ugo Umadi who have stepped up and have played pretty solidly, but Delano Hill's out there. He, he played a big part in some of the screw ups in the Niners game, just being out of position and taking bad angles on, uh, one come, one run comes to mind with a Raheem Mostert run where he just completely checks out of position. And knocks a guy out of the way, out of the play, one of his teammates out of the play. It's it's not excusable. I mean, you're on a playoff caliber team, and you need to be winning games, and you've got a guy in who doesn't know what he's doing. This is just exactly like Tedrick Thompson. I mean, look back to earlier in the season with the Cincinnati Bengals game, right before half. Tedrick Thompson takes a bad angle, and he gives up a touchdown to John Ross right before the half. It's not excusable. It loses you a football game. To go past that, uh, with some regular season sort of wrap-up stats, Bobby Wagner was the tackle leader for the 2019 season, second time in the last four years. Rasheem Green led the team in tackles with four this year, which is it's good to see him develop as a pass rusher and help set the edge uh, for the rush. He's a guy that I liked coming out of college. He was a guy at USC who had flashes of being a good outside defender. And out of him and Jacob Martin from that draft, I wanted to keep Rasheem Green. And that's what we did. So I'm happy with that. His development's very exciting to see. So I hope to continue to see more of that, especially come playoff time. Rush finished with over 4K passing yards, 31 touchdowns, and only four picks. Five picks, my bad. With the 31st ranked passing offensive line. Like I said earlier, it's impressive to see that Anyone that gives you the narrative that Russell is benefiting from this run game and solely benefiting from this run game that we've had in the past is a moron. This is a generational quarterback. He's the best quarterback that we've had in our franchise, and we cannot take advantage of him now. It's time. It's been like this for years. We need a better O-line to help support this man, or we need to let him go. If you look at Lamar Jackson, look at Patrick Mahomes, they have effective, even Kyler Murray, they have been given the keys to the offense. And not necessarily Kyler Murray. He'll he'll get his own maybe even next year. But the two quarterbacks I mentioned uh, prior, they've had success in their offenses, offenses. They've been able to just go, and they've been able to put points on the board. It's not like Russell's a guy who's limited in athleticism. His arm strength's amazing. He can run the ball, so... And the only other person to ever record a stat line like that was Aaron Rodgers in 2014. Ever. That's the only person to do so. And he won MVP that year. So looking back on the decade, as we're now in 2020, which is incredible to think of. Hope everyone had a happy new year, by the way. Uh, The Seahawks had a Super Bowl win, two Super Bowl appearances, 100 wins total. Four division titles, made the playoffs eight out of ten seasons, and we're st- 
still complaining about an 11 win season. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's pretty. It's been a pretty good decade. I mean, it's the best decade statistically in team history. I know I've been blessed to be able to see some of the things in Seattle sports that I've seen in this the decade alone. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, there's a lot of potential that this team has, whether it's being held back by injuries or by coaching errors. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it wasn't a bad decade. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Looking forward to our game against Philly this Sunday at 4:40 p.m. Eastern Time. The Eagles lost their best guard and Brandon Brooks. He was placed on reserve slash injured. They still have an incredible D-line featuring Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, and Vinny Curry. So it'll be important that the CX are able to keep a high tempo, hopefully, that they, they heed that, um, and keep the pass rushers on their heels just so that they can't just tee off on Russ. I really do think it's important to plan better going into this game, actually game, game plan for this team due to the fact that Seahawks in – recent years when it comes well this year alone uh when it comes to rematches have not been too hot they've in the rematches that they've played they've lost if you look at the rams game the niners game the cardinals game even going back into last year and the cowboys game that when we played the cowboys in the wild card um I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just some weird coincidence, but it really needs to be a game that you game plan for. There's no time to slack off. It's a whole new season. You need to kind of step it up here. Hopefully, Coach Schottenheimer pulls some plays he's been saving for a rainy day just because the there's some stuff that needs to be brought out in order to help get this offense going, uh, considering the amount of... I don't know how to put this. Emotional weight has been put on with these injuries. These injuries have been really hurtful. I mean, you lose, I don't know how many stars you lost, but you lose that many people, it's going to be difficult. Moving on, the Eagles starting running back, Miles Sanders, their leading rusher, is expected to play. He ruled himself eligible to play. Looking at the injury report for Thursday, Nelson Aguilar, one of their receivers, did not practice. Uh, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Zach Ertz, and Lane Johnson were all limited participants, but all are expected to go. And all three other cornerbacks, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, and Jalen Mills, were all full participants. So looking at that, it's it seems that the Eagles team is going to be a lot healthier than they were when we played them earlier in the ro- early in the season. So you can't really have a game like we did back when the the wind played a really big factor in some of the passing plays that we had. It is supposed to be 10 to 20 degrees, uh, 10 to 20 uh, miles per hour when it comes to wind going into this game, similar to the last game we played these guys. So I think it's imperative uh, going into this game that you are able to get complimentary football, able to get some nice drives, nice sustained drives, get a good balance not don't lean on the run too much because this is a good D line and they will be able to play the run, but be able to mix, mix and match the offense. Maybe some read option in there. I mean, you've got Marshawn back. 
Speaking of Marshawn back, uh, roll clip. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. Um, and more Marshawn related news to continue with that. Marshawn had 12 rushes for 34 yards and a touchdown. I mean, 2.8 yards per average isn't the greatest, but you know, working the guy back in. Travis Homer to put the spotlight on him, a guy that uh, my uncle, out of many people, uh, going to training camp thought would be a good piece, had 10 carries for 62 yards on the ground and five catches for 30 yards through the air. And he really he performed well against a, a very good Niners defense. And that's exciting to see. Seahawks played well on third down, particularly going to Tyler Lockett. Uh, so some things I want to build on going into this game are to get Homer again to continue his uh, momentum, hopefully be smarter with Lynch. I feel like there was a lot of hype getting him back. Uh, so, and I feel like that adds on to some of the coaching snafus we've had uh, throughout the season with the delay of game, with some of the, the play calling, with some of the decision-making. So I feel like if there isn't ever a time to just get your shit together, it's now. Please, it's it's time to just, it's go time. You're facing an Eagles team. You guys are the underdogs in this game. We're supposed to be, we're given a 30% chance to win this game. You're banged up. You're against the wall. Just come out and kick some ass. Come dominate early. Don't get started slow. Don't get really soft. You've got big targets. You've got guys that are playmakers. You've got Travis Homer, who's a young guy, but he's fast and he can get in between the tackles. You've got Marshawn Lynch, who's still a bruiser. You've got Russell Wilson, who's a, arguably a top three quarterback in the league right now. This is a game that you can and should win. I'm not saying you will. I'm saying you can. <sighs> Anyways, the game is scheduled for 1.40 p.m. Pacific Time, 4.40 Eastern on Sunday on NBC. I'll be watching it at my typical spot, the Buffalo Wild Wings downtown. I would like to thank everybody again for listening that is listening. I know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I've had a dip in listening, but, you know, it doesn't stop me. I still like doing this stuff. I feel like I talked a lot in this episode, but, you know, that's just how it is. Every episode is going to be different. If you have any feedback, any advice you'd like to give, uh, please let me know in whatever the way you have of contacting me. Uh, like I said earlier, like I mentioned earlier, shout out to my friend Bennett Buckles. He he does some great stuff. He's a good football mind, good sports mind, uh, a great dude. Um, if you're listening, uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone had a good, happy new year. Everyone was safe. I'm excited going into this year. Uh, just thinking about what I'm going to do with this thing, uh, this podcast, the potential it has. Just growing it. So thank you everybody for listening i hope you have a happy friday this is when this is going to be put out um let me know how you're listening let me know if you're on the road in the car at home whatever works thank you and go hawks